When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd. This is episode number 222. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Oh, Rod, it's been a long week, and this is only Wednesday. Yeah. You're telling me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been like that, definitely. Um, but, yeah, but we're, you know, we're here to talk some Browns, and um, we always look forward to this every, every week. And, right. uh, and um, we got a – I'm going to say we have a special guest with us because we have uh, Mick from Brown – Brown's down under, um, and uh, this is his first appearance on the podcast. We've been trying to arrange this for a while, and, and uh, we finally got it figured out. So, uh, so Mick, um, great to great to have you on. How are things going? G'day, Rod. G'day, Jeff. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic to be on here. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I love getting on to to talk Browns football and and chat with some people, uh, especially from Cleveland. Um, it's, uh, it's so great to be able to have a chat. Um, things are going well. We're, uh, in the middle of a sort of spring day here in Sydney and we're sort of hovering around that, that sort of 25 degree mark. So it's kind of probably, um, around mid eighties for you guys, I would imagine. Wow. Oh, yeah. We had, we had our first snow of the season this morning up here. (laughs) Oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't think I've. I think I've only seen snow about five times in my life. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit different. Yeah, well, that's they it. Were, they were saying we were going to get a frost last night, but uh, we ended up getting about two inches of frost. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I guess so. So, so Mick, you're uh, the uh, um, Browns backers down under um, on your uh, on your twitter page you uh you mentioned that it's the largest browns backers group in the southern hemisphere that's pretty cool wow. <laughs> yeah yeah it was a it was an interesting um it was an interesting startup for the browns backers uh for our our chapter so um it was a, a few of um me and a few mates that were sort of following the browns and um and then we stumbled across the, the Browns backers and, and we had a, a look at how it was that you could create a chapter. Um, and then when we created the chapter, we, we just had um, a whole heap of friends and, and people just coming out of the woodwork that were Browns fans around Sydney. So um, 
it very quickly grew from about five people to about 120 very, very quickly. Um, and uh, we've had a couple of events. So we've had a, a, a golf day. Um, we get a couple of watch parties when um, we get a chance when they're sort of the right time for us. So prime time games are the best, obviously. Um, but yeah, and then we very quickly, quickly grew above that. I mean, Australia, there's not many countries um, that follow the Browns that are below the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that makes it a bit easier. Um, but I think I think once we cracked the 100 mark, I think it was kind of outside of the US. Um, we were sort of in that top five sort of bracket. So it was, um, yeah, it was a fun experience to be able to, to grow the club and or grow the chapter and, and have a fun, have a bit of fun watching the Browns at the same time. That that's really cool. That that's uh, that that's excellent. So um, so Mick, we're we're gonna let you keep talking because um, what we do on this show is uh, is when somebody new comes on for the first time, we we let them tell us about their Browns journey and especially somebody who lives in Australia. It's kind of, we we really like to hear how and why you became a Browns fan. Yeah, so um, I'm a I'm a bit of a sports fanatic. Um, so my my day job at the moment, I I'm a teacher. Um, I teach a uh, diploma of sport and business, um, and it's linked with a professional soccer club um, over here. Um, and I also do a bit of um, coaching as well. Um, and so I've sort of always had a bit of an interest in sport, and. I reckon it was when I was doing uh, one of my coaching licenses while I was uh, sort of developing as a coach, they actually asked the question, what sports do you watch where um, you bring in things from another sport into soccer? Um, and it got me thinking for a little bit because I, I wasn't really into the NFL at that point in time, um, but I... Um, I sort of had an interest in it. And so I started watching it and the whole idea of with the NFL being um, a series of set set plays um, where when you bring it to soccer, when you think of a, a set piece, so a free kick or a corner. Um, and then as I was sort of looking into the NFL and I love that, that uh, statistic that, you know, the quarterback wants to release the ball within two and a half, two and a half seconds. Um, and how much movement you can get it from players in two and a half seconds before a ball's being delivered in the in the right spot at the right time um, to the right person. Um, and so that got me my brain intrigued and sparked around. Okay, so for set pieces in soccer, where can we, you know, for a corner, can we take a short corner and then allow you know two and a half seconds before we deliver the ball and what movements we can get. So that's sort of where my interest in NFL came in. And I'd say that was about. Um, probably uh, 15, 15 years ago when when that sort of came to, to be um, in terms of my interest. Um, and then uh, as I got interested in the NFL generally, um, I then started to, okay, I, I need to get a team here to follow. And if you know anything about uh, us Aussies when it comes to sport, um, you can change your uh, political opinion. Um, you can change your um, job. You can change your wife. You could change um, your religion, but you never, ever, ever change your football team. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So uh, for me, it was kind of like, okay, which which team is going to um, sort of be the team that I want to follow and and not change away from? So uh, we had a little bit of a, a chat, and I was sort of getting interested in a couple of teams. As uh, in Sydney, in particular, I've got a few friends that are Steelers fans. I've got a few friends that are Ravens fans. I've got a few friends that are sort of Broncos fans. Um, and uh, another mate of mine, when, when we were walk, watching, it was the the uh, one and sixteen year, and um, when it was okay, it can't get any worse. And then it was zero and sixteen, and we went, you know what? Let's jump on this Browns Browns bandwagon at that point, and really, <laughs> really ride these guys all the way to the top. Um, so, so that was that was kind of that uh, one and sixteen year was where we started to really get involved, and in, and in me in particular with the Browns, um, and it's it's been a wild ride, and I, I don't try to compare myself to any uh, born Browns fan or anyone that's from Ohio that's had to live through a lot more than since that short amount of time that I've been following the Browns, um, but it's been a wild ride, and the the fun of meeting uh, you know Browns fans like yourselves the fun of uh, being on Browns Twitter um, and you know the uh, black and white both ends of the spectrum people that you meet on on Twitter um, I love the fact that there's no gray um, mm. and I love the fact that everybody is just so passionate about Browns football um, and it's uh, for me, it's honestly, I've made some really good friends over um, Twitter um, and over just Brown's fandom in general. So um, in terms of loving the team, loving the sport, um, that's there as well. But but to meet good friends is, is also a, a massive positive out of the Brown's community. Definitely. And. I mean, you picked a time to become a fan when when <laughs> there there was plenty of plenty of room on the bus at that point. <laughs> for sure. um, yeah, you didn't have to fight for a seat, that's for sure. So yeah, if, if there's ever anybody that was leaving their team or going to leave the Browns, it was it was going to be right about then. <laughs> so so that's pretty yeah, cool. So they- the other thing is too, as a, in Australia, one of our one of our sports that we play is rugby league, um, and particularly in Sydney um, and New South Wales, where we are, rugby league is kind of like the one of the most popular sports. Um, and the team that I follow is the Cronulla Sharks. Um, and there was one saying that I've grown up with as a as a Cronulla Sharks fan my entire life. There's one certainty in life, and that's that the Cronulla Sharks will let you down every single time. Um, so it's in your blood. Yeah, that's it. So, so uh, I think the Cronulla Sharks have been around since 1967, and they've only won one premiership, and that was in 2016. So, um, so if it's if it's a similarity to the Browns, uh, that's probably what drew me to it. Okay, yes. I I understand, and we appreciate <laughs> you sharing all that with us. <laughs> Definitely cool. Um, yeah, so so guys, let's move on to uh, to some Browns news, and uh, we actually have some new news this week. Not a lot, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the there was the trade of Donovan Peoples Jones uh, during the uh, you know work coming up to the trade deadline, um, traded to the uh, Detroit Lions for was it a, a sixth rounder? I think yeah. in twenty five. Yeah. Um, you know, not not a huge return, but um, 
you know, I, I think he was a six-round pick. Is that correct? So, he was. So, so Browns pretty much get that pick back, you know, just a couple years down the road. Um, you know, so so uh, um, gives him a chance to to be on a team that, um, you know, to it, it's kind of weird. I'm fishing for words because I'm thinking, you know, gives him a chance to play while well, he was playing. He just wasn't, you know, factored into the offense here. He wasn't uh, statistically present, but he yeah. was on it. He was on the yeah. field for a lot of plays. He was playing 90% of the snaps. He just wasn't getting the ball. Right. Um, so for whatever reason, you know, and I'm not here to blame DPJ or anybody else. It just, for whatever reason, he was not a factor in the offense here, yeah. whether yeah. it's because of his ability to block or his inability yeah. to get open or, or the inability of the quarterback, you know, who is playing to, to get to his second or third progression, you know, right. Um, right. whatever happened, he was not a factor in this offense. Yeah. So, um, so he gets to, you know, go to Detroit and be on a team there that's, you know, trying to do some good things. Um, you know, not that the Browns aren't, but, um, you know, hopefully it works out for him. Ever had any problem with, with DPJ, you know, it, yeah. it's good to see a guy who's a sixth round pick do, do well and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and make contributions to the team. Um, he, he was, he did very well last year. I think 800 yards receiving, definitely a factor for the Browns. And, um, I, I think probably the biggest disappointment, um, coming up to the trade deadline is that that was the only deal the Browns did. Cause I yeah. think we, I think yeah. we kind of expected that one. So, so right. Jeff, do you have anything to add to to the DPJ? Yeah, that was you know, probably the the worst kept secret um, of you know this season was that, that DPJ was not going to be back next year. Um, really wasn't going to factor into our plans going forward. So we knew at some point that you know they were either going to trade him or they were going to you know um, let him be on his way at the end of the season. So you know, I think for Andrew Barry, it's 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 about you know opportunity seizing opportunity and you know the fact that he was able to you know send him home um i think i think that's tremendous tremendous i think you know you, you, you always want to do well for a player right who who has contributed to the team and, and been you know been a good teammate um done what's asked of him um but in reality um you know i think the browns tried to make dpj a number two and he never really got to that level. I think he was a good, solid player for us. Mm -hmm. um, did a nice job on punt returns. Um, probably will make a nice, you know, number three or four in this league for for a while. Um, but you know, we drafted some guys, and and we're looking to do some different things with the offense. And and I just I think you know the time we got from him was great and. It was time for him to move on. So the fact that the team pulled this trade off at this particular point in time, I think has absolutely nothing to do with, you know, where we are this season that, you know, no, we're, we're four and three, we're struggling at quarterback, you know, does, it, it doesn't really say anything about, you know, where our offense is. It just says that this is a player that we had an opportunity to recoup some draft capital and, and, it just made sense to do it at this point in time. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about a guy who really hasn't had a lot of production this year, 
think it's kind of unrealistic to expect much more than that um, for a you know to eight or nine ten plus game player rental. You know that that's really all Detroit is getting. So yeah, good for Andrew Barry to go out and make that happen. Um, you know the fact that nothing else happened before the trade deadline. Again, uh, you know we all hope that something big would happen, but um, those trades just, they, they have to be there. And if they're not there, then you can't force them. And, um, you know, that's, that's just the way it is in the NFL. So I'm not going to get down on anybody for not making a trade that just, you know, didn't work or didn't make sense. Right. Um, Mick, were you, were you surprised or, uh, this point or, or what as far as the Browns not making any other moves yeah I, th- I think uh, in particular with the DPJ one like uh, I think there's you know you haven't really lost anything in the trade you know he's picked as a six round pick you got a six round pick back um, he's you know for a six round pick he's probably done a good job in the league um, mm-hmm. in terms of being that sort of wide re- three wide receiver three position and and uh, return guy um, you've probably got a, a the Browns have got a good output from him for a six round pick and then they've also recouped the six round pick sure. um, yeah. yeah I'd say that you know in one sense I'd probably be disappointed that it is only a six round pick I don't think you'd expect you know you're not going to expect like a, a third round pick or something like that but I think he's probably shown that he was better than a sixth round pick um, and then, you know, how the trades work, I guess, you know, what the value is, you probably increased his value in my mind. I thought he was better than that. Um, but the other thing is, I think it does speak to the offense of how comfortable they are with Cedric Tillman. Um, uh-huh. Because you're not going to, they're not going to pull the trigger on that if they don't have somebody that can fill the gap. Um, and so I think they're, they're very happy with that. And I think that's, that's where you kind of, you can see that it's a trade, like you said, like it's, you know, these trades happen. He was never really going to be a top end wide receiver one, and he's probably never going to really be a top end wide receiver two. Um, and so there is going to be that roster churn and people are going to come in and out. And I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a move that, you know, I don't think anybody's terribly unhappy about, but also um, everybody is happy for DPJ that he stays in the league, um, which is good because I think a lot of people liked him. Um, yeah. The one thing, though, if you're talking generally before the trade deadline, like I, you know, I'm a bit surprised um, that we didn't um, that we didn't bring in potentially another quarterback. Um, that one surprised me a bit, just because it seems like it's still limbo with Deshaun, um, and I think everybody is in agreement one way or the other that you know that the quarterback play has got to be improved um, if we want to do anything this year so um, I don't know whether it was getting a better QB2 for if Deshaun comes back or somebody that can shoulder a little bit more of the load um, but yeah I think I think in general you know I think it's always good to see you improve the team but it, I don't know if we improve the team or whether the team just stayed stagnant so i think it's a little bit of a hold your breath really at the after the trade deadline isn't it so right yeah yeah so so here's a question um jeff i'll let you start on this and and i've been guilty of this you know um seeing dpj you know being traded away and thinking you know 
we're going to see more at Tillman. Um, what are your thoughts on on who's going to get going to get the playing time? And keeping in mind that there may not be a whole lot of targets at that spot, anyways. Right. But but what about what about David Bell? You know, um, do yeah. you think do you think Tillman has surpassed David Bell? I mean, David Bell's been getting a little bit of playing time here and there. Right. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on how they decide to utilize Elijah Moore. Um, you know, if he's down the field more, um, then you're probably going to see David Bell get some of those slot plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because Tillman and DPJ have a similar body type and I think a, a fairly similar skill set, um, doesn't mean that it's a one for one trade, you know, that the Tillman is suddenly going to be on the field for 90% of the plays like DBJ was, Definitely. I think they'll work him into the offense. I think, you know, he'll get some opportunities now. Um, but I, th- I still think our offense runs through Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore and, and David Njoku to a certain extent. And so everybody else is, is going to be, you know, fairly slim pickings. It's going to be, you know, two or three, catches a game uh, maximum i think so yeah those those three guys are the only guys who have really been getting consistent targets correct correct and a lot of that again has to do with you know where our offense is and in and the ability to execute and, and um you know run consistent plays and you know be effective at them um you know because of our quarterback player like you said our quarterback play has been so abysmally bad yeah. That that I mean, you you really can't judge any of the weapons on that side of the ball at this point in time until we see some consistent quarterback play. So right. we, we've been saying since you know the end of last season that this season was going to hinge completely on you know what type of performance we got from Deshaun Watson. You know, if we if we got an A or a B out of him this year, you know, we thought we'd, we'd probably be in pretty good shape by this point in the season. You know, and if we got a C or a D or an F out of him, then we were going to be in a world of hurt, no matter what everybody else did. And and unfortunately, right now, it's an incomplete. We just we don't know what we're going to get out of him for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, Browns did make a few signings to the practice squad. They they cut ties with I think a uh, couple of running backs on the practice squad. Uh, signed Kenyon Drake, who's in his eighth season. I didn't realize he had been around that long. Hmm. Um, see if he has any tread left on the tires. Uh, is it uh, Jaron Christian uh, tackle? Um, Six-year vet and a wide receiver, James Prochet, fourth-year fourth year vet. So yeah. don't know much about the other two guys, but I know Kenyon Drake's been around. Um, used to be a pretty good back. Um, see if he's, you know, lost the step or not. So certainly yeah, it's worth gonna, taking a look. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, sorry. It's a, it's going to be interesting with the the way that they've brought those team those players in, and that's why I kind of think it's that hold your breath and – see what's see what's going to happen over the next few weeks because um you know i would say in terms of you know for example the rushing like you know jerome ford has i'd say done a good job um you know obviously the start of the year he's probably not looking at being the number one back but you know he's he's sort of getting some nice plays in there which is which is good kareem hunt's always a good one to have back but then as you say adding in drake um 
you know, where does he fit? Is he just there as the, the backup, backup, backup? Um, it'll be interesting to see where that fits. Um, and then I guess adding tackles and, and whatnot in, um, I don't know about you guys, have you been surprised with the uptick from Jed Wills at left tackle in the last two weeks? Something's happened, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah no, players I know improved, I think. Um, you know, it's tough with our line because, you know, we lost Conklin early. Um, Michael Dunn got activated, got hurt his very first game. Um, this past week, uh, Ty Neshecki gets activated, gets hurt in his very first game. Um, we just haven't had a lot of continuity with the line. And, yeah. and when you're playing different quarterbacks as well, um, who aren't necessarily real good at, at you know, adjusting coverages, um, you know, then you end up with, you know, Jed Wills having, you know, a guy on each side of him kind of turnstiling him <laughs> because, you <laughs> yeah. know, there's, there's nobody else to help on that side. Um, so, yeah, I think Jed has, you know, from an effort standpoint, um, has, has picked it up recently. I would, I would agree to that. I think, you know, there's, there's still are some real, real issues with, with our line. Um, and I think, again, a lot of that is just reflective of the, the very poor quarterback play that we've had. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like Dewan Jones has, has a possible injury too. I, I honestly didn't research that a lot. So don't yeah, know where he, he stands. Yeah, he was nicked up and, and, and yeah, uh, yeah uh, Hudson was in most of the second half, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about this Brown Seahawks game. Don't want to go into it too much, honestly. I mean, it was, uh, it, I mean, what can you say? I mean, it, it seems like every week is the same. Browns are just into these, uh, these tough close games, which I guess is just the style in the NFL now. Right. Um, that, that these games come down to the last minute and, you know, have your, uh, pacemaker set right or whatever and, <laughs> right um, right you stop know be, me if you stop me if you've heard this plot before right yeah no kidding i think yeah. my 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 father-in-law was saying something about them being the cardiac kids too yeah uh, I, I guess that name's been used before but uh yeah. i i don't even know if it's just the browns though it just seems to be the entire league at this right. point it's, it's not even unique to the browns right uh, it's just how yeah. games go right now at least, yeah. at least after a game like that, you guys can go out and have a couple of beers. We've got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit right. different, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you but know, yeah. there's there's plenty of positives to take away from the game, Rod. I mean, you know, the the, the, yeah. the fact that they they fought their way back. I mean, when's the last time we saw a Browns team go down two touchdowns and really fight their way back into a game and and, and take a lead? I mean, that to me, that's very encouraging from a team standpoint you know it's it's easy at that point you know you're 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 three thousand miles away from home and you know you just want to mail it in and you know the rest of the game right but um you know no i think i think you saw the the team buckle it up and and fight their way back into the game it's just just that you know the, the the way the script works with these nfl games is you know, you, you, you've got a chance in the very last few seconds. And, and if you do everything right, you've got a good chance of winning. If you do something wrong, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Well, once again, that, you know, the, the turnover bug just, just won't go away from this team. 
And I don't know why that is, but, you know, we're leading the league in turnovers. We've got 17 turnovers as a team um, in, in seven games. And, and that's just not sustainable. You know, if you no, if not you, if you want to continue having a winning record. Yeah, yeah. You, no matter how good you are in every other phase of the game, if you keep giving your opponent good field position and and you know free points, you're going to lose more than you're going to win. We're we're really fortunate right now to be above 500 after turning the ball over that many times. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's just just down to the fact that our defense is able to, you know, really impact on games. I think, you know, when we're talking about, you know, being able to come back, I don't know how many times last year, you know, if the the ball was given away, you could bank on our defense getting the ball back um, to then stop them. So being down two touchdowns and being able to have something that you can rely on to go, okay, we're going to get another chance or, okay, we're going to be able to stem the flow of points and, and put something together, I think. Like you say, it's a really positive thing. I think, you know, yep. chalk and cheese in terms of a defense from last year to this year. Um, I, and it's just one of those things where you'd love to, you know, we talked about it, it's across the league, but you'd love to see some good quarterback play from the Browns and everyone can buckle their seatbelts and enjoy a ride to the Super Bowl. But, um, <laughs> but it's... So it's, or uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's just kind of like, you know, we can rely on one one phase of the game, but... We just need the others to really match that level. I'll just go one step further on the defense. You know, the adjustments were made, which is, yeah. again, something that we've not seen in the you know, recent histories where, you know, they were getting gashed early. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the zone coverage was, it still continues to be a, a major problem for this team. Yeah. But they were getting gashed in the running game. Um, and they made some adjustments, and I think they, you know, they, they were able to give the offense some three and outs, and, and and you know, get them possessions to be able to score in the middle part of the game. And unfortunately, our offense isn't sharp enough to be able to really take full advantage of that. Um, so we ended up with some field goals when we probably should have had touchdowns. But um, you're right; I, I think that the defense is giving us opportunities at the right times. Um, penalties are down. Um, the kicking game is solid. You know, there's, there's all kinds of positives to take away from these games. Um, we just got to clean up a couple things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just looking at this guys and, and, you know, the, I mean, the Browns had 20 points and I'm just looking at how closely, Parts of this and the score mirrored the 49ers game and the defensive effort, how close it was to mm-hmm. the effort against the 49ers. I mean, you know, the, the Seahawks scored 17 points in the first quarter. Yeah. And then the Browns defense mm-hmm. shut them out in quarters, you know, two, three, and and up until that, that last drive. Yeah. And, you know, which is when the 49ers, you know, in their last drive drove down down the field after the Browns had stopped them, what, eight consecutive three and outs or something. Yeah. Right. You know, without, right. It, it's almost the same type of type of game, type of performance, except yeah. the Seahawks were able to, were able to punch it in. And, you know, and the 49ers missed, missed a, you know, a makeable field goal, missed a makeable field goal. Right. So it's, it's very similar to where the Browns defense played well after giving up some points, 
They played well for a very long time. And then that last drive, the opponent's able to go down the field. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, it's really hard to to blame the defense when they've shut the other team down for God only yeah. knows how many straight drives, but mm-hmm. you're sitting here watching. It's like, why are they able to do this now? I mean, it, yeah. you know, it both, it both, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense, but you're also thinking, man, how many times in a row can you expect them to do this? Right. Yeah. And I think it's another interesting stat I, th- I heard was the, uh, the time in possession. Um, because I, I think even against the Seahawks, the Browns, had the lion's share of possession too. Yeah, 30, um, 36 to 23. Yeah. And so in that in that scenario, like we've got a lot of the ball to score points. Um, right. So we should be able to, like if we can score points with that amount of possession, you get, teams might score some points, but you're, you're really limiting their opportunities to score just with the time in possession. Um, yeah, we we started to run the you know, ball effectively later in the game. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's where a lot mm-hmm. of that time of possession came from, and you know, a lot yeah. of the first yeah. downs and so forth. We, we were effectively running the ball later in the mm. game and, and killing yeah. clock, which is what you want to do with a lead. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, there. I mean, there there were a lot of positives. I mean, the way uh, David and Joku was used um, on some yep. of those screens uh, just just was excellent. Um, uh, Murray Cooper had a bounce back game. Um, Pierre Strong had a decent game, just as I called on the uh, podcast <laughs> week before. <laughs> it's good to be right once in a while, guys. Um, <laughs> but the the thing on Twitter, everybody was up in arms about the the third and three play um, yeah. when when uh, the Browns pass the ball and the ball bounces off the the uh, the defensive lineman's helmet goes up in the air and it's a pick. Okay, right. um, couple of open receivers on that play. Um, if if it's a completed pass, it's a it's it's probably game over because I think the Browns pretty much could have run the clock out at that point. Um, yeah, you know maybe they would have needed one more uh, first down. Um, if not, it would have been inside of a minute for sure. Um, so. Everybody's saying, you know, of course, hindsight, um, Brown should have run the ball. You know, you have right. to run the ball there. I'm thinking, well, yeah, but Seahawks know they're going to run the ball there, too. And, and are you going to make three yards on your on your uh, third and three? Yeah. So I've made my thoughts pretty widely known. So let me hear what you guys have to say. <laughs> Go ahead, Mac. Oh, it's, it's, I think this is, um, for me, I think it sums up. Uh, Twitter and people's view on the Andrew Berry, Kevin Stefanski sort of regime. Uh, this one play sums it up in a nutshell, um, where you've got one side of Twitter going, these guys are outsmarting themselves and you just run the ball and it's simple. Um, but then there's the other side, like we all know, that that sits there and says, well, there were guys that were open. Um, yeah. And the scheme, the call, it was all there for it to be successful. Um, but we just didn't have the quarterback that could execute or the quarterback didn't execute at that particular point in time. Um, and I think, I think for me, it's, uh, you know, as a, a relative, you know, 
NFL sort of uh, rookie, as not a, a Native American that's lived and breathed the sport my entire life, um, it's it's harder for me to sit there and be black and white on it. I feel like like as I think uh, I understand late in the game, third and three, short yardage. Um, you know, could we really have just run it in and and then you know it's a fourth and one maybe. Um, and then you're going for another run play, or you're going for it on fourth and one, um, and then getting to that first down. I understand you're trying to eat the clock. Um, but the other side of it is too that um, on a third and three call, there were players available and an accurate throw gets you a first down. Um, and so is it the play call or is it the player that has made the mistake there? And so for the me, execution. I think... Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a. Um, I think sometimes we jump on Kevin Kevin Stefanski too much, um, in terms of did he make the right call? But I think sometimes, um, sometimes our players like we've got to allow them to own up to okay, I've got to I've got to be better in that spot, and then expect them to be better. And I think if we had if we had Deshaun Watson in that same as the quarterback. Um, and that play was dialed up and those players were open like that and Watson missed them, I think all of us or a lot of Twitter would be up in arms about having paid $230 million for a quarterback that can't hit. So, <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? So it's, They can't make a three-yard pass. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, so it would probably <laughs> like be on a, Watson versus on like Stefanski. A, yeah. yeah, so I think we can't beat up Stefanski when uh, with a different quarterback everyone would have been beating up on somebody else. So... Um, for me, I, I think I'm taking a little bit more of a level-headed approach on that one, but it's it's a frustrating it's a frustrating scenario nonetheless. Here, here's the problem, Rod, is that um, I, th I think that the argument is that Stefanski needs to know his personnel well enough to not trust his third-string quarterback in that situation with the game online. Right. That that's the argument. OK, that we, yeah. hey, we know he's a turnover machine. Um, you know, why put yeah. the ball in his hands in that situation? Uh, just have him hand it off. They had handed off in the two previous plays. Right. Yeah. Um, of course, we've also watched PJ, you know, on a simple pitch, put the ball on the ground. So, you know, nothing says that he would have executed the handoff cleanly either. Um, <laughs> that's a good point. But um, the, the problem is, is, you know, you, you can't have it both ways, because if if. You listen to, to people in closing moments of games uh, when the defense is on the field and they go into zone and they start playing soft and they give up tons of yards. The fans start screaming, well, why are they running this prevent defense when the you know attacking defense has gotten you here the whole game, right? Um, of course, the safe call is to hand off there. Um, you hand off, you're, you're punting. And... You know that you're you're hopefully you're pinning you know the Seahawks back deep in their own territory, and your defense has been successful in shutting them down late. Uh, you know, so give them a full field and everything. Uh, like you said, we also watched the 49ers march right down the field um, and get into field goal range. So, um, you know, the the shoulda woulda coulda is is always going to be correct with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah. For me, if I'm the coach. And um, and I'm in the situation of making that play call. You nailed it, Rod. You said if they convert that pass, game's over. You make the first down, 
you can now run the clock out, game's over, okay? If I hand the ball off and get stopped and punt, all kind of bad things can happen. I like the aggressiveness. I like going for the first down. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to trust my players. I'm going to give them the best play I can. I'm going to trust my players to execute it. And I'm going to say, "Okay, guys, go win the game. Let's yeah. not play not to lose. Let's play to win. We're on the road. Yeah. We need to be aggressive." And I don't I you know, I I've, I've had <laughs> I've had issues with with Kevin's aggressiveness at times. Okay, where you know mm-hmm. he's he's gone for it on fourth down instead of taking a ready-made field goal, right? Um, but yeah, all in this all, is different. Is. this was trying that's to win the is. game. That's yeah. who he is. That's what he does. And 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 mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay with that. Um, even though it didn't work, um, I th- think he would probably make that same call again, ten times out of ten, if asked to. And that's what you want from your head coach. You want that decisiveness. I agree with you there. Like it's, yeah, I agree. I think he would do that again every time. Um, I don't think he would change change that that aspect on it. And I think that's why when in the press conferences he's like, oh yeah, I think it's you know we made the right call, or we think we yeah. we're trying to make the right call for the the best of the team. And I think you know he's going to keep making those calls. Um, yeah. Because yeah. the other side of it is too, like realistically, if he's handing the ball off, he's not handing it off to a number one running back either. Um, right. <laughs> you know, like he's, you know, yeah. so you sit there. Yeah. Are we trusting our third string quarterback, or are we trusting our second or third string running backs? Um, that's kind of that's the the choice. Right. Right. Well, Mick, we have a few minutes left here before we have to have to let you go back to work. So I, <laughs> yeah. I just thought we'd talk just briefly about this Browns cards game. Um, Browns are favored by eight points as the, the Cardinals come into Cleveland and the over unders 37 and a half. Um, the, uh, the Cardinals just traded their, uh, their starting quarterback away <laughs> To, uh, if you want to, to call like it, that. right? Yeah, yeah. Josh, Josh Dobbs. Um, who thought? I mean, who would have guessed he'd be a hot this hot of a commodity? You know, right? Um, yeah. So apparently, I don't know if I don't know how much of a chance there is that Kyle Kyler Murray's going to play. It sounds like Clayton Toon is going to be the starting quarterback. Yeah. Um, yep. Sunday. So Browns get a rookie. Um, Cardinals are are one and seven. Um, I mean, guys, if there's ever a, a game that looks like, hey, this is a game where we can get well, <laughs> this would be it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's yep. still the NFL, so <laughs> yeah. So you got to be a little bit worried. So I just so I get some real quick thoughts, and then I want to get a score prediction from Mick before he has to, <laughs> has, to get, has to get back. Well, I think. Uh, it, it's interesting because I had a, a quick look on uh, Twitter just trying to get a bit of a, a feel for what's happening with, with the cards game. And I saw a, a number of sort of um, Twitter polls being out there about, you know, do we see PJ Walker or do we see DTR this week? Um, and not that it's sort of saying that, you know, would we see them? But I, I do sit there and think, well, it's got to be a decision at some point. Uh, with PJ Walker turning the ball over a lot, I know DTR's turned the ball over as well when he's played. Um, 
is DTR the aim to be our QB2 for a long time? When does he start getting another couple of opportunities in game when we don't have the QB1? Um, and what impact does that have on the game? Um, well, and Watson's been practicing too, so I don't know if yeah. there's any chance he might play or not. So it's it's still a little bit early in the week to know that. Yeah, I'm also I'm also a I don't know a little bit of a cynic on that one. I've seen him. We've seen him over the last couple of weeks have a couple of runs at practice and then mm-hmm. um, and then not play. So I think it's it's tough. I felt sorry for DTR when he did come in and he got the last minute, didn't get the reps during the week, and then came in and. Um, had a bad game um, and you know I felt a little bit sorry for him there and then he hasn't had the chance and I don't think PJ, PJ Walker has been um, outstanding and whether he got another look in, um, who knows where that all goes. But for the Cards game, I like what you're saying, I, I really think it's, you know, we really have to expect that our defence turns up this week, really limits them, gives us the opportunity to win a game that's not, going into the last 30 seconds um, and hopefully we can just move past this one and it's another week of getting Deshaun Watson ready to go for the next week. So what what kind of score do you see in this game, Mick? Oh. Because the guests usually yeah. do pretty well on this show. They do well, do they? Well, I think the Browns are going to yeah. win um, and I'm going to say... I'm going to say 21-14. Okay. I I know you have to get back. Is there any closing remarks you'd like to leave everybody with? Well, I'll be able to let you know before the game as to what the score is because we're in the future over here. So So I'll be able to tell you before the game as to whether I'm right or not. but uh, no, thank you very much, guys, for for having me on the show. It's uh, it's it's fantastic to get on and and speak Browns football with some really knowledgeable guys that know about uh, the Browns and um, and have a good fun time doing it too. So thank you very much for having me on the show, um, and just looking forward to the Browns just stacking a couple of wins and fingers crossed we get people back healthy and we can actually make the playoffs and then have a run. So let's uh, let's go from there. That sounds good to me, Mac. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care, Mac. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. See you later. See ya. So that's Mick with Browns Down Under. You can follow him at uh, Browns Down Under on Twitter. Uh, So, Jeff, did you have other thoughts on the the game with with the Cardinals coming up? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, that these two offenses will probably set the, the play of the quarterback position back to the days of the leather helmet. Um, <laughs> you could, yeah. This this is probably going to be an ugly game of quarterback play, even if by some miracle Deshaun Watson plays part of the game. Um, I think that mm-hmm. would be good if he could. If he could at least treat this like a preseason game and, you know, maybe get a few series, um, you know, just to, to kind of get him ready for next week. If he's, you know, if the goal is to get him out there against the Ravens and not bring him on the field totally cold. But um, yeah. even so, I, I fully expect some really ugly quarterback play on both sides. 
Um, I, I you know Kyler Murray may be back, but again, it'll be his first game back in a long time. And I, it's just going to probably be a really ugly quarterback game. Um, so I, I'm going to probably surprise a lot of people on this game, uh, on this pick, um, because I, Mick is going with the under, um, I'm actually going to take the over on this game. Um, I think our, okay. our, our defense is clearly better than theirs. Um, I think, you yeah. know, if, if Clayton Toon ends up starting, um, he could be a turnover machine. Um, our defense could score some points. Our offense has actually been moving the ball pretty well. Um, yeah. even, you know, even with the turnovers been, been, been piling up the yards. Um, and, and Arizona is really not trying to win games right now. So I think the ball is going to move up and down the field pretty freely on Sunday. Um, so I'm going to go, I think this game is going to be a lot more like the Colts game than, than some of these other games. Um, I'm going to say, uh, the Browns are going to be 42 to 27 winners. Um, wow. and take the over. So you think the the Cardinals are going to end up scoring more points than the Seahawks? Then I guess I think a lot of get that many. Our, I think a lot of that's going to be on our quarterback. Okay. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, if our quarterback play is god awful again, um, could happen. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I mean. I agree with you as far as the defense and our defense scoring some points and our defense putting the Browns offense on a good possession. I mean, a couple things that the, uh, the, um, the Cardinals, I mean, God only knows what Clayton Toon can do, but um, they don't run the ball all that much or right. that well. Right. Um, and I, I didn't write the stat down, but they like to go for it on fourth down too. And, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember how many times they've gone for it. It's either like 16 or 20 times on fourth down. And, and they, they only, they make it about 25% of the time. So, <laughs> so that, that's a good stat for, for the Browns. So they like to roll the dice and lose on yeah. fourth downs, so, um, <laughs> especially against our defense. I, I okay. like that. Mm-hmm. So I think they could, they could definitely, um, you know, help the Browns out, um, you know, as far as not being able to run the ball, um, you know, if you if you got a rookie quarterback who is out there trying to pass and you like trying for it on fourth down and your defense isn't very good, so you got to try to be aggressive on offense. Um, yeah, I think our defense could do pretty well. But um, but, yeah, I don't know about what our offense is going to do. But, um, yeah, I don't know about 42 points, Jeff. I, I would love to see it. <laughs> but we scored um, thirty nine on the Colts. Yeah, that was a that was pretty crazy. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go a little bit lower though. I'm gonna say uh um I I think it's I think it's just wait, what's what's your over under? No, well, I'm just gonna go thirty six seventeen Browns. I think I think it's going to be lower, but it's still going to be well over the the over under. Um, but I just I just see the Browns' offense being put in some really good spots in this game yeah. by defense, and hopefully they do that a lot more often than our offense puts their you know offense in good spots yeah. by turnovers. Yeah. 
Well, so yeah. So Mick, Mick's the only one taking the under, which uh, means this will definitely be a low-scoring game. Probably be a twelve-six. Because yeah. you and I are always wrong. But um, yeah, I, good, 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 solid reasoning of you know yep. why I think there's going to be. I, we both think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Yeah, but um, speaking of wrong, um, we're going to go to last week. And uh, oh yeah, Jeff, you you get credit. You picked the Seahawks. Um, neither one of us was real close on the score. Yeah. Um, you had uh, I figured you had they thirteen ten, but you, you had the Seahawks by, by three. Yeah. Well, you had them by three, and they won by four. So yeah. your score was low, but you you had the 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 score prediction correct. So. Not as um, close as I've ever come in this endeavor. Yeah, you got to savor those when you get that right. close. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I um before we close out here, I just thought I'd mention the the article that I wrote uh, way too late last night. So if there's any mistakes in it, um, <laughs> I take full credit um, or full blame for those mistakes. But uh, just just kind of um, wanted to put something out there, kind of kind of a little bit in jest, a little bit of poking some people in the ribs over over how they act on Twitter and how we all act on Twitter. But it's, um, you know, the 1986 Browns meet Twitter and um, I tried to have fun with it. Um, but I got some remarks from people when I posted it in a, in a Browns Facebook group that they really just liked reading it for the nostalgia of the 1986 team. Right. They um, didn't get the tongue in cheek part. They didn't get the tongue in cheek part. Um, <laughs> tongue in cheek part, I realized, was going to only really be for anybody on, on uh, Twitter who, yeah. who would read the article. Yeah. So, um, so hopefully a few people got it. If you didn't. Um, you know, it'd be great if if you want to take a read, and if you, you know, if you don't like me afterward, I'll, I'll understand. But, uh, but it wow. was fun for me to write. It wasn't all that harsh, honestly. Um, no, it, it wasn't. I think uh, the reality is, is that um, the, the fan base certainly has an impact on the team. Um, we, we've, there's been a lot of comments about you know whose fault things are and so forth, and. The, the truth is, is that, you know, a, a negative fan base creates a negative environment for a, any any sports team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we have every right to be negative here. <laughs> we've, we've earned that over 25 years, you know, to be yeah. to be to. Yeah. To be really pissed off and to be, you know, really uh, uh, reluctant to buy in. You know, um, I think we're all very jaded because of history. Um but, you know, I think it, there, there's a line at which, you know, you need to not force that, you know, just just for the benefit of of engagements on social media, you know, that you're, you're yeah. just you're just trying to be controversial sometimes and and, you know, look for problems where they don't necessarily exist. You know, so uh, there, it's always like we were talking before, easy to find a way to do something better with hindsight. Uh, but the reality is, is that this team has come a really long way in the last two or three years. And mm -hmm. we're, we're competitive now. Um, we're in every game, you know, for the most part, there's the occasional, you know, loss to the Ravens that, you know, your rookie quarterback gets humiliated. But for the most part, if, you know, if our team is healthy and, 
you know, goes out and, and executes, we're going to be in pretty much every game in the NFL now. And that's, you know, that's more than a lot of the teams in the league can say. You know, there's there's yeah. only a, a small number of elite teams in the NFL that, that you really think have a, you know, a good shot of winning every single game. And, of course, you know, then you've got teams like the, the uh, Broncos knocking off the Chiefs this past week. So yeah. it's a crazy league. That just shows you what can you know? happen. Yeah. Right. And we just have to take the positives we find from each game. Um, you know, enjoy watching a dominant defense at times. Um, you know, yeah, we're going to, we're going to make mistakes. The coach is going to call bad plays. Players are going to screw up. Um, it shouldn't affect our self-esteem as a fan base. You know, we have a good team. We have, you know, we have a, a really supportive fan base that really gets into it. The problem is, is just that, you know, we need to find a happy medium. You know, we need to find it somewhere between, you know, it's the Super Bowl after the win and we're clearing house after the loss. <laughs> just, there needs to be yeah. some middle ground there. Well, Jeff, Jeff, I've been thinking about this and, and I think that I think that that sometimes or maybe all the time fans watch games and, and follow the team and, and have a couple of assumptions in their head that, that are probably not true. Um, the first assumption is that is that every game is is ours to win if the coach does his job right. <laughs> right. You know, and, and the second one is that there is a correct play to call on on each each down. Yeah. That, that if the coach calls the right play, it'll be successful. Right. Okay. Well. And- there's another team out there. There's another. There's a defense out there that's calling its own plays and and reacting to what your team's doing and guessing what your team's going to do. And you can sometimes call the perfect play. You can sometimes coach the perfect game, and it's just not yours to win. Right. Um, yeah. The assumption you know, is, is, again, we, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, that if, if we had done something different, that the outcome would have changed. And maybe yeah. the outcome would not have changed at all. Right. You That's know, right. Um, we're, we're, you know, when we look at games at the beginning of the season and we think about, you know, what you're up against. I mean, we, we haven't won in Seattle since uh, the, the Bush administration. You know I mean? It's, it, it's <laughs> not, it's not an easy place to go and win a football game for, you know, a Midwest team. No. Um, you know, we, we felt like, yeah, this is going to be one of the tougher games on our schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle, not necessarily a great team, um, good enough, but, you know, just a really hard environment. You know, it's a it's a long trip. It's there's there's a whole bunch of reasons why it was probably not a game you thought the Browns had a good chance in, in you know, even early, you know, before the season started. So right. um could we have stolen this game um like we stole the 49ers game? Yeah, the opportunity was there to steal it. And you know, when when PJ threw that last pick. Um, I just, I threw my arms up in the air and I said, geez, this team, they just, they, they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory again. And, (laughs) and you go, 
you go, oh my God, why does this always happen to us? But the, the truth is, is it doesn't always happen to us. It always happens to everybody. That's just part of NFL football. Yeah, I mean, the Browns are four and three. They got a, a very winnable game this, you know, this week. And and then, you know, and then they move on to next week. So, yeah. um, you know, they're right in the thick of things. Uh, right. We we got a uh, a great, still a great defense. Uh, and and hopefully, I mean, we have an offense that's improving week by week as far as being able to move the ball and hopefully a starting quarterback who's on the mend. Uh, you know, yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. Nothing at all has changed in that regard um, since since last season. Um, we, we still need our quarterback. We need our franchise quarterback to play like one. And we've been 25 years on on this search for a franchise quarterback that can lead us to the promised land. And, you know, anybody that, that wants to second guess this organization for, you know, the personnel moves that have been made, you certainly can't question the fact that they have done everything humanly possible to try to win. There are, there are teams in this town that don't even, uh, don't even uh, try to, fool you into thinking they're trying to win um you know Mm -hmm. that 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 aren't even really uh, aren't even in in the same league as the best teams you know uh, in in their particular sport where the browns are outspending everybody they're they're making risky moves um they are pulling out all the stops to bring in the best possible players to try to give us a team we can be proud of those things don't always pan out okay but you can never fault them for trying and and that's more than we could say a few years ago when we were going through one and 31 we we now have an organization that's doing everything in its power to try to win that's for sure yeah all right well anything anything else you want to say in closing jeff that's it. <laughs> All right. I, you know what? Let's go win it this week. I mean, the, this isn't this yeah. is important because, like you said, this is a winnable game. This is a game that we expect them to win. You know that it's a one and seven team playing on the road, a long ways away from their home. This should be as hard a game for them as last week was for us. Well, yeah, and, and yeah, no, I don't know if their quarterbacks even started a game yet. So, right. and and so, yeah. and they're a team that is really not trying to win football games right now. No, they they would probably okay. rather their organization would rather lose this game. I don't know about the players. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, look, the, there's plenty of time down the road to to learn about players. You know, I mean, obviously Arizona wants to learn about Clayton Tune because they traded away Josh Dobbs and they they're not sure what Kyler Murray's doing. Okay, but we're not in the same position. You know, we we don't need to learn about DPJ at this point, right? We we need right. to win games like this that um, in the past we we probably would have said, oh God, you know, we got our third string quarterback, he's turning over the ball and everything. We need to buckle it up on, in all phases of the game and help that guy win a game for us, and. Definitely. And stop with, you know, the, the, the excuses about, you know, this guy's hurt or, or whatever. Um, 
go out and play the game we're capable of playing, and this should be an easy win for the Cleveland Browns. Definitely. This has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.